Good morning, everybody. That wasn't too bad for a pretty uh, rambunctious group. All right, well, uh, welcome to Faith. My name is Mike. I am one of the pastors on staff here. It's great to have you here with us as uh, we are continuing in our series, Gold, Goats, and Justice. If you are new today and you're wondering, like, what's with the barnyard animals? We do this all the time, all right? Eventually, you won't even notice them, all right? Uh, no, uh, actually, they, they, their presence up here is going to, wow, he's just all kinds of dug into your knee there, isn't he? Okay, uh, their presence will make sense in, in uh, just a few minutes here, but um, we are continuing in a series that we've entitled Gold, Goats, and Justice, and what we're doing in this series is every week, we are looking at a different story that Jesus told, stories that Jesus told to help um, serve as catalysts for change in our lives where we need to experience change the most. And, and we're using these stories that Jesus told because oftentimes we are resistant and there's something about a good story that'll work its way around the barriers and the resistance that we have to change even though we might need change. And so each week we're looking at one of Jesus' stories and we're going to continue to do that this week. Anybody want to take a guess at which of Jesus' stories we're going to get after? The sheep and the goats. Yeah, I can't get anything by you guys. Just an astute group here. So uh, we're going to take a minute. We're going to pray, invite God to be part of this, and then we'll get into our story today. Father, just thank you for Jesus, just for uh, his brilliance, for his creativity, and for the story that he tells that we're going to explore today. Father, I just pray in your mercy you would... Just get back behind the walls that we put up, the excuses that we make. Just draw us to you, and uh, Father, just help us to understand what Jesus wants us to understand and to respond as Jesus wants us to respond. Father, I just pray uh, for our brother Mike Harrison, as he is in the hospital right now with uh, multiple broken ribs and a broken collarbone after a fall. Uh, Father, we just pray for good pain management, that none of his internal organs would be damaged, and that he'd be able to um, get mobile and back home again as quick as possible. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're, we're looking at Jesus' story, sheep and the goats, and um, before we jump into the story, just a, a quick scholastic note here. Uh, scholars and preachers will argue about what kind of literature Jesus meant for this story to be understood as. And some will argue that uh, Jesus meant for it to be taken as, you okay there? All right. Uh, as apocalyptic literature, right? You know, this is all about the end of the world. And other people are saying, no, Jesus meant for this to be an illustration or a parable. All right? And so if you're a Bible nerd, you're sitting there and you're going, okay, which is it? And I will come down on the side that Jesus meant this to be a parable or an illustration. Uh, as opposed to a detailed apocalyptic description about how events are going to work at the end of the world, we're going to see in the story. There's, it's apocalyptic in nature, um, but I don't think that Jesus meant for us to derive our theology of the end of the world from this story. Now, if you're not a Bible nerd and I've just shot over your head and you're like, I don't understand what you're talking about, don't worry about it. It is a minor detail that churchy people like to argue about so as to avoid applying to their lives what Jesus wants them to with this story, all right? We're going to try and avoid that and just really feel what Jesus wants us to feel as he tells his story. So we're going to tell his story in the vein of one of my favorite artists, and it begins like this. When the Son of Man 
comes in all his glory and all the angels with him. He will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So as Jesus begins his story, and it's a short story, he begins by describing, again, a scene at the end of the world where all the people and all of humanity are brought before him. And he puts some of them on his right and he puts some of them on his left, just like a shepherd would. See, in the ancient world, shepherds would herd their animals and they would herd different kinds of animals together. And it was not uncommon for them to do that. But from time to time, you know, whether it's for feeding or for care or for rest, they would separate them. So he separates the people like you would a shepherd does a sheep from the goats. And the sheep go on the right and the goats go on the left. And I asked some of you, are you a right or a left person? And some of you answered. And just whatever you answered, you're locked into. Your eternal destiny is tied to that. All right? So, um, he, but he separates on one side and the other. And then he has a conversation with each of the two groups. Starts with the sheep, and the conversation goes like this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Now, the sheep are going to hear this from Jesus, and the sheep, they're going to have a question for Jesus. That question simply being, Lord, when? Lord, I mean, I appreciate it. This is nice, but like, when, when, did, when did we see you and you, you were thirsty and hungry and we made sure you had something to eat? Lord, when were you like a stranger and, and homeless and, and we invited you in? Lord, we invited a lot of people in, but I would not forget a face like that, Lord. No. Like, when did this happen? Lord, when, when did you need clothing and we made sure you had something to wear? When were you sick and in the hospital or, or imprisoned and we came to see you and visit? Lord, help us out. We don't remember. When did this happen? And Jesus says that he'll look at those on his right and he will say to them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Enter into your rest. It's a good talk for the sheep. <clears throat> and then Jesus turns to his left. And he then addresses the goats. And it's very apropos that you should be here and you should be there and it says things about your relationship and your home or whatever. We'll get to that another Sunday. He says to the goats, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. I knocked on your door, but you didn't open. You just told me to go away. You did not invite me in. I needed clothes. I was out in the cold. I was exposed, and you sent me packing and did not clothe me. I was sick and, and racked with pain and loneliness, just hoping you would come and visit, but you didn't. 
I was in prison. I, I, I saw your services on the internet. I just prayed you would come and offer me some kind of hope. I was desperate, but you didn't look after me. Depart from me. And much like the sheep, the, the goats are going to want to know when? When, when, when were you hungry and, and thirsty and we didn't get you something to drink? Lord, are you hungry now? One, one of the angels want to run out and grab Jesus a cheeseburger and a Coke. Oh, you're not hungry? Yeah, I kind of lost my appetite too. Lord, when, 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 when did you need something to wear and, and we didn't get you some clothing? I mean, that's not even fair, Jesus. We don't know what size you are. Je Jesus, when, when were you... Well, look at you just eating that up there. Jesus, when were you like, like homeless and we didn't invite you in? I mean, Je Jesus, you weren't one of those creepy people we'd see at the exit ramp when we got off on freeway, were you? Jesus, that, that, just, that wasn't our ministry. We just didn't feel led, you know? Je Jesus, when were you in a hospital and you were sick and we didn't come to see you? I mean, at least it wasn't fatal, right? Oh, it was. Sorry. Jesus, when were you in prison and, and we didn't come to visit? I just, Lord, what were you in for anyway? <laughs> I had a cousin in Jackson. You didn't happen to run into him. And Jesus can be like, no, no, no. Whatever you didn't do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Whatever you didn't do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did not do it for me Depart from me. And then Jesus finishes his short little story with, with a statement that's either incredibly encouraging or incredibly unnerving, depending on whether or not you fell on the right or the left. He says, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, as, as we sit with Jesus' story, Jesus is hoping that two things are going to take place for us. That we're going to be asking, what is it that Jesus wants me to understand and what is it that he wants me to do? Every time Jesus tells a parable, there is a point he is trying to make and a, a, a response he is trying to elicit. So let, let's start with Jesus' point. Like, What does Jesus want us to understand? And I think it's helpful to, to think through some of the things that Jesus is not trying to say with this story and then come back to what it is he is trying to say with this story. Again, I don't think Jesus meant for this to be like a detailed apocalyptic description, like that he wanted us to form our theology on the end of the world from this story. Sure, there are apocalyptic details. It is, it, the story is told in that setting. But when you, you read through the New Testament, whether it's the teaching of Jesus or the apostles after him, there are passages that are clearly designed to serve as descriptions of the end of the world and from which we are meant to draw our theology out of. This passage isn't one of those. In fact, when you try and do this with that, this passage, you will find that you run up against and you have contradictions from this passage to others that are meant to serve as a description of apocalyptic events. I also don't think that Jesus was trying to give us a works theology. And by that, I mean, I don't think Jesus was saying, hey, you just do the right things and you're going to earn your way into right relationship with God. You're going to somehow be good enough and get yourself into heaven. If, listen, if that was the case, this is the easiest works theology I have ever heard of. He never mentioned any bad things I have to avoid. 
If this is a works theology, I can do incredibly deplorable things. I have to just be compassionate to the right group of people and I'm all set. Now again, you, you read through the teachings of Jesus, the teachings in the New Testament, it is very clear salvation or a right relationship with God is based on two things. The work of Jesus as he lived a perfect life and died in our place and then our faith in him. As far as works theology goes, Jesus does all the work and we do the believing. God grants us salvation as a gift. You read the New Testament, salvation is never the result of the good things that I do. So what is Jesus' point? Well, I would argue Jesus' point is simply this. That people who have experienced the goodness of God will seek to become people who in turn share that goodness with others through compassion. Or more succinctly put, receivers become givers. People who have received, who experience God's forgiveness and his mercy and his grace and his redemption in their lives cannot help but seek to share that goodness with others through practical acts of compassion that point those people back to Jesus. Receivers become givers. And Jesus thought that this was so important, this idea that, that we give after we receive, that if, that if giving is conspicuously absent from our lives, we should take a step back and question whether or not we have ever really received the goodness of God in the first place. In fact, it was so important to Jesus that he said he feels this personally. He says, hey, whenever you don't bother to, to like reach out and help someone you see there in need, it is though you have done that to him. Whatever you have failed to do for one of the least of these, it is though you have failed to do that for me, Jesus says. And Jesus says that when we get beyond ourselves and we take initiative and we, we, we reach out and we help someone who's hurting and cannot help themselves, that he feels that as though we have done that to him. It, for Jesus, it's familial. He, his, his heart for the hurting is so big and so deeply connected to that that he has a family-type relationship with them. Now we, now, we get this on an experiential level. Like, if someone is good to your, your spouse or to your child or your sibling, they just treat them really well, you, you don't even have to know that person. All of a sudden, you have this sense of affinity and goodwill towards them because they've been good to yours. By the same token, if somebody treats you, your, your kid or your grandchild or your spouse poorly, whether they do so in reality or just in perception, you, you automatically, you, like, you want to lash back out at that person on behalf of your loved one. Whenever somebody does something to one of those we love, for good or for bad, we feel that as though they have done it for us. In this story, Jesus is letting us know that he has a big heart, that he feels deeply, especially for hurting people. And that whatever we do or don't do, for one of the least of these, it is though we have done or not done it for him. And so he wants us to understand that receivers become givers. That if we have genuinely received God's forgiveness, mercy, grace in our lives, we are going to seek to share that with others through practical acts of compassion that point them back to Jesus.
Now, we're going to let you guys get off the stage and go back to kids' church because the kids want to play with these guys as well. Um, so, Kim, make sure the kids stay by the sheep and stay away from the goats there, all right? All right, let's give these guys a hand. Now, there are a couple things I love about our church. Yeah, see, that's he's trouble. That's why you're on the left, pal. All right. Um, one of them is that so many people here are seeking to be sheep. We had a great, just a great example of this last month as we had a team go down to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip. Last month, we had about 20 people here from faith go down to La Real. If you're not familiar with La Real, it's kind of a, a suburb of Santiago uh, in the Dominican Republic, and it's a unique neighborhood. It is a neighborhood that um, where about 90% of the homes consist of a mom and kids and no dad to be found. And those folks are not welcome in a typical Dominican church. The message they receive on a regular basis is, hey, you go get your life cleaned up, and then we'll talk about you coming to church. Now, in that community exists Talcomosoy. It's literally a house church. They're doing church in this two-family flat. They've got the, the downstairs is classrooms, the upstairs. When, when you're up there and, you, and you're, you're the speaker, you like look into the dining room and you look over to the living room and that's the sanctuary. It's what they're, they're making it work. This church is a beacon of hope providing the gospel and targeting those families in that community. So we had a group of 20 head down there just with bags stuffed full. We had about 18 duffel bags and suitcases. Like the limit, the weight limit with the airlines is 50 pounds. Our bags were all coming in at about 48, 49 and a half pounds, right? And we've got sanitizer and toothpaste and toothbrushes and, and medical supplies and dental supplies and equipment for both sides. And the goal was to get down there and during the day to provide a construction project, a medical clinic, and a dental clinic, and then during the evening to provide workshops on biblical relationships. And so we had a team go down. The construction team, they worked on the home of Pastor Daniel and his wife. Pastor Daniel is an interim pastor. His wife, um, she runs Compassion in that geographic area. And th these guys have been super faithful. They have served Jesus for decades in that community. Pastor Hochi, was, he became a believer under their ministry. And they, for the last 10 years, have been saving up to build a home, to finally get out of renting. So they, they started the construction of this home, ran into some financial roadblocks, and then literally ran out of money. And so they've got four walls, a roof, and a dirt floor. And they have been praying, God, would you please send someone to do something? And so our team showed up to try and take dirt and dreams and turn them into cement reality. And so the team cut rebar and measured rebar and, and laid in these 40 by 40 centimeter squares and put it together with aluminum ties. They, they ran the, the, the PVC you see there, that's the conduit in the DR, from the electrical box along the floor to all the electrical outlets in the house and ran tracer wires in there. The cement crew showed up when the floor was all prepped, and our team, you had, they had this machine that they're running there. Our team is about 60 yards down the street, and you pull off this cover in the garage, and there's a cistern down there, and you take a five-gallon bucket, and you chuck it down there, and you pull it up by the rope, and, and we run in you know, five-gallon buckets all day long, 60 yards, to keep the machine going with the water. By the end of the week, they had a rough cement floor in their house. 
they were so grateful for our team and what they were doing. The medical team was amazing. Medical team shows up down there, and they had folks come in. They would do some, you know, you come in, you get a basic wellness check. They, they had the ability to run some diagnostics, some tests, some really basic ones. And then they, they would just try and figure out, okay, here's your complaint. Let's figure out what's going on. So it was not uncommon for them to have somebody come in and be like, hey, I, I don't feel good. I just don't know what it is. No diagnosis. A lot of high blood pressure, a lot of diabetes, where folks were able to get a diagnosis, an initial course of meds, and a referral to a low-cost clinic um, a couple neighborhoods over where they could follow up and get care. They treated things like scabies, parasites. They had a kid come in with 103-degree fever. They were able to pass out about 48 pairs of readers. It was amazing. They, they saw about 159 patients over the course of the week, worked incredibly hard, some harder than others, but they worked really hard, right? <laughs> Yeah, and every, everybody who came in, <laughs> everybody who came in, they got a hygiene packet, you know, that they were sent home with, a little goodie bag. Um, they got prayed for, and they got invited to tell Como Soy. We were able to bring down 700 invite cards in Spanish to pass out to that community. People felt the compassion in deep ways. So at one point, our, our clinicians are standing up, they're talking to this lady, they just finished up the care and said, hey, can we pray for you? And this woman dropped to her knees, okay, they pray, and at the amen, she wraps her arms around their knees, gives them a hug, and just says, thank you so much. Amen. Dental team was amazing as well. Dental team, you would get in there, and you would see Dr. Bill, who's, let's see, Oh, ah, are these? All right, there we go. All right, um, Dr. Bill's on the right there. He would assess you, and then he would send you off into one of three stations, you know, figure out what's going on. Sometimes some folks were lucky to get to hit two or three of the stations, but you would have cleaning where, where Karen would get in there and literally clean your teeth, right? We had folks who hadn't had a cleaning in three decades, and she got them all squared away. In the middle, we, we had restoration where we're doing fillings, repairing missing, broken chipped teeth, doing sealants, and then we had extractions. If there's nothing else we could do, we could pull the teeth for you. And that is Katie. Katie runs women's ministry here at Faith Covenant Church. She worked with a dentist who, you know, did the extractions all week long. The last day, Katie got to pull a tooth herself. She's not just holding that tooth. She took that tooth out. Think about that before you complain about women's ministry next time, all right? All right? So our team, the dental team, they saw 136 patients. They did 47 cleanings, 60 fillings, 19 repairs of chipped or missing teeth, 57 extractions, and 15 sealants. Everybody who came in got a little dental care package. Everybody who came in got prayed for. Everybody who came in got invited to tell Como Soy. It was not uncommon to see people leaving the clinic weeping. Not just because Katie was pulling their chiclets, right? <laughs> they received care they never could have afforded. They came in in pain and they left without pain. And they came in, you had like Duck Dynasty looking, you know, grills here coming in. And especially for the ladies who have missing and broken teeth, to walk out with a full smile was so overwhelming to them. Tammy and Hochi told us. That, and we, and so you got all this going on. Behind the scenes, you got, somebody, you got Jody who's like, she's back on the porch 
with a, basically a pressure cooker on an open flame, sanitizing all the instruments all day long. So, you know, you, you get them dirty, bring them back to Jody, she sent them back to you clean and ready to go. Tammy and Hochi, the pastors of Talcomo Soy, told us their community has not experienced this kind of outpouring of compassion the entire time their church has been in existence. And what was really cool is to watch how quickly traction began to, to, to happen and people began to make connections with what they were receiving and where it was ultimately coming from. Out of the nearly 300 people who came to the clinic, 90% of those who were from the community had no connection with the church. And they would come to the clinic during the day, and then some of them came to the workshops in the evening. And then the first Sunday after church, or the first Sunday after the trip, they had three new families at church. Second Sunday, they had another new family where one of those people made a commitment to Christ. Like, our people went down to try and partner with Tammy and Hochi as individuals who had received the goodness of God. They just wanted to share that and try and pour compassion out into that community so that other people would experience God's goodness through practical acts of compassion that would in turn help them to see a God who loved them. Now, before we move on, I want to say thank you. Because so many of you made this possible. All kinds of you brought in sanitizer and body wash and mouthwash and toothpaste and dental floss and more. Those care packages were made up by donations of folks right here in our church. Some of you, you know, sponsored or partially sponsored individuals so they could afford to go on the trip. Some of you gave just so generously to offset the cost of that trip. Some of you gave generously to, to make up for, you know, on some of the, the, the funding for the construction project or the medical clinic or the dental clinic. The generosity of our congregation made that trip happen. And so if you're one of those people who gave, I want you to understand something. You own part of what took place that week. And those of us who were able to be there cannot thank you enough. I love at our church there are people who are trying to live as sheep. The other thing I love about our church is all the opportunities to do this. All the opportunities for those of us who've received God's goodness to give it. So I want to highlight some of those before you as we wrap this up. You know, you, you heard Pastor Laura talking about some of the things that are going on related to the Christmas season. Excellent opportunities to show compassion. You have Operation Christmas Child. You get the shoebox, you fill it up with the things the instruction sheet tells you to, and you provide a child in the third world with a Christmas gift and the gospel where they wouldn't have received either. You have City Covenant Church. They are going to provide Thanksgiving baskets for families in their neighborhood. I was part of this last year. I'm going to do this again this year. You show up on a Saturday. You spend a few hours. We put together hundreds of baskets. The cars start coming, and we fill those babies up, and families in Brightmore have Thanksgiving. You have Angel Tree, which is going to launch in a few weeks. You get to provide a Christmas gift for a child whose parent is incarcerated and do so on behalf of the incarcerated parent. We have Kingdom Cookie Elves. We are going to pile into the Fellowship Hall and literally bake thousands of cookies, package those up, send them out into the community to, to schools and workplaces and homes and more, and every one of those boxes of cookies comes with an invite to come to church. Simple things. 
but they're compassion. And the nice thing about these is it, like, it's a one-time deal. So there's no long-term commitment. You can try this and just do one thing. At the same time, though, there are a host of ongoing compassion initiatives that are taking place at our church. We partner with City Covenant in a number of ways. You can go down on Monday nights and tutor children in the Brightmoor area. City Cub feeds their community Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. There's a group that puts together, you know, like the, the food and resources and other um, equipment and things that they need for that. You can be part of that group. There's another group that goes down there once a month and just cooks the meal to give the City Cub team a break. You have Another Way Pregnancy Center. There are a host of ways you can volunteer, come alongside of a family that's facing an unplanned pregnancy. There's Cares of Farmington Hills. Right here in our community, you can help the disadvantaged right here in Farmington Hills. Volunteer in a host of ways there. We have At the Table. It is a microloan mentoring program that we partner with City Coven. We need business mentors. You have Life Challenge. You know, Laura mentioned the breakfast. They're running all year long. There are a host of ways you can volunteer and help someone overcome addiction to drugs and alcohol. You have Covenant Community Care, where they provide low-cost or free medical care to people in the metro Detroit area. You have Elevate Detroit. We have a team that goes down there once a month. They literally feed and clothe the homeless. I don't know how you get any closer to what Jesus was talking about than that. Now, all of these things in the seat pocket in front of you, they're right in there. You have contact information, a little bit of a description of what's going on there. You can pull that out and get involved in one of these. Or, if, you know, the digital insert has this in there as well. But the point is this. Jesus told his story to make a point and to elicit a response. Jesus told his story so that we would know people who have received the goodness of God who know his grace and mercy and forgiveness, those people want to share that with others through practical acts of compassion that point the recipients of that back to Jesus. Jesus feels so deeply about this that he tells us, in whatever we have done or not done for one of the least of these, he feels it as though we've done it or not done it for him. And he wants those of us who are receivers to in turn become givers. Would you pray with me, church? Father, thank you for Jesus, just for the, the, the wisdom and the genius in his storytelling. Father, I pray that you would help us as we have been recipients of your goodness, to be people who will share that goodness with others. Father, I pray you would continue to make this church a community that is just pouring the goodness of God out into this, out into Farmington Hills, out into Metro Detroit, out across the globe. Father, help us not just to be recipients of your goodness, but to be givers as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.